Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. So just like last week when Russ talked to you about different types of calendars and sort of dating systems, how people figure out, you know, what day of the year it is, I'm going to be talking to you about a subject by myself this time. Unfortunately with our schedules and, you know, Russ, in case you hadn't figured it out already, is in England. There's a big time difference. So between that and the holidays, We just had a little trouble getting together to record, so we thought it'd be fun to start off the new year with a couple of solo episodes. I also apologize for my voice right now. You might be able to hear I sound just a little bit off. I'm at the tail end of a cold, so that didn't help with our recording schedule either. (laughs) You know, having a cold for the holidays, why not? So, I'm here to talk to you about New Year's resolutions. And as you're listening to this, we are 15 days into the new year. So we're about halfway through the first month. Who's managed to hold on to their resolutions and who's already broken them? That's really the biggest question. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about how we even started making New Year's resolutions in the first place. How old is the tradition? How long have we been doing it? And what are some of the things people used to make resolutions about back when it first started? Because it's definitely not quite the same as ours. Nowadays, most resolutions, at least for the most part, tend to be about people wanting to do something to better themselves. It could range from something as big as, and well, as big and important as I want to quit smoking. Or it could be something more minor, like I want to get better at putting things in my calendar. There's all sorts of things like that, but a lot of times the New Year's resolutions nowadays tend to be about doing something that you want to get better at or improve yourself with, whether it's smoking or losing weight or trying to eat healthier or trying to stay in touch more with friends or you know anything like that. A lot of us have trouble holding on to our New Year's resolutions, uh, partly because it's hard to make a new habit. Sometimes people set unrealistic expectations for themselves also. You know, setting your New Year's resolution is I want to lose X amount of weight by February or something isn't always the most realistic. Whereas saying something like I want to eat better so that I then could lose some weight might be a little easier to hold on to because it just means you cut out some of the junk food and the soda and stuff like that. So there's a whole range of things that people can make resolutions about. And as adults, like I said, it tends to be a lot of those kinds of things that are going to improve yourself in some way. For kids, if they happen to be making New Year's resolutions, who knows what they're going to be saying, because it could be anything. (laughs) I'm sure my nieces would probably be just, you know, it's a kitty, but she's two, so she doesn't understand. (laughs) And now I've officially gotten in our random tangent for the episode, so we'll get back on topic. Russ and I may not be recording together, but I'm sure we're still both going to go off on tangents because we're good at it. So actual New Year's resolutions can be traced back as early as the time of the Babylonians, which, in case anyone's not keeping track, is thousands of years ago. As early as roughly 4,000 years ago, give or take a little. 
um, because they would make New Year's resolutions to do things to honor their gods. They were a pagan religion, so they had a lot of different gods, and their resolutions would be things to keep their word to their gods, whether they, their resolutions might have been something similar to us. It might have been, I will continue to honor XYZ God. I will, you know, make a donation to your church. Who knows? But they vowed to uphold their word to their gods, and in exchange, they expected to receive the favor of their gods bestowed to them. And of course, they didn't want to upset their gods by breaking those vows because then they would get the disfavor of the gods. And anyone who's ever read old Greek mythology, which is another example of an ancient pagan belief system, you can imagine some of the crazy things that people would have been worried would happen to them if they broke their resolution. We're not talking, you know, modern day situations where I resolve to eat better for the rest of the year and then eat a cookie and worry that my husband's going to call me out on it. No, we're talking about like the old school myths where they thought if they broke their word to their god, you know, lightning was going to strike their house and burn everything down or something. So it's a much bigger thing for them at the time. Of course, it's been changed over the years as we've sort of modernized and people don't have that same strong belief in their gods are going to do something to them, uh, which also may be one of the reasons why we probably, well, his, to be fair, historically we can't say 100% that they kept their vows, but if they were vowing to their gods, they had that extra incentive to want them to hold on to their resolutions. Nowadays, our New Year's resolutions are mostly made to ourselves, and it's easy to lie to yourself. So if you're not paying attention, you can break the resolution fairly easily. It also takes a while to really build up a strong new habit. They say that it takes about 21 days to develop something into a habit. So whether that's drinking more water, eating healthier, exercising, you know, I'm using these as examples because a large percentage of people who make New Year's resolutions involve, um, have resolutions that involve something having to do with health conscious activities, whether it's weight loss or just eating healthier or what have you. It's a very high percentage. Let's see, the research showed that as many as 45% of Americans, so this is just Americans, but, you know, that's the research I have currently in front of me. According to the recent research, um, roughly 45% of Americans say they're making New Year's resolutions, but only 8% are successful in their goals. And of course, I don't think, I don't have exact numbers on who resolves to, you know, lose weight or be healthy or whatever versus other things. I just know from my own personal experience, talking with friends and family over the years, and just my own personal resolutions have often been to try and be a little healthier throughout the next year, things like that. Uh, I do know that there's a large percentage of Americans where that is an aspect of their New Year's resolution. It's not always, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds, but they're going to be saying things like I mentioned earlier, I want to eat healthier, I want to be healthier. And it's a promise we're making to ourselves to try and improve and uphold a vow to ourselves, much like the ancient Babylonians were trying to uphold their vows to their gods. We've just tweaked it a little. After the Babylonians, the tradition of New Year's resolutions was continued. It wasn't just them. It was also something that was done in ancient Rome, at least something similar. 
uh, it happened after Julius Caesar messed with the calendar and started the beginning of the year on January 1st because previously the Babylonians had celebrated the new year closer to mid-March. So they'd celebrated it further into spring, which in terms of a lot of ancient beliefs of sort of the beginning of the year being new beginnings and new life, it does make sense that they would celebrate later in the year because if you start in early spring, that's when things are starting to be born. You know, that's the the birthing season for certain animals or the breeding season for others. It's also when you're going to start seeing a lot of plants start to be growing again after the cold winters have finally thawed and gone away. So having it around that time makes a lot of sense. But when Julius Caesar redid the calendar and established January 1st as the official beginning of the year, which was roughly circa 46 BC, um, that was when he decided that the first month was going to be called January because there was a Roman god named Janus who was literally a two-faced god. So he, um, I'm trying to think, basically he looked like you took two faces just just the face not the back of the head two faces and glued it together in the middle so that there was one face forward and one face backwards and so the significance was that he was said to have inhabited doorways and arches and was always looking both ways he was always looking forward to the future but also backward to the past so having that january month so named for janice be the first month of the year and the beginning of the new year made sense to him and it was something where a lot of Romans would actually offer sacrifices to the deity and make promises of, you know, good conduct and, again, vows to their gods for the coming year. And, again, the exchange was expected to then have them receive, at least in some measure, the favor of Janus by making these resolves or resolutions to their god at the beginning of the new year. So they continued it, and as you fast forward and get into early Christianity, we start to see it continued again, although the religious aspect changed from being, you know, we're going to have many pagan gods we're praying to, to, of course, being Christianity, being prayers to the one god, the Christian god that they believed in. So that did change up things a little, but the idea was still very similar of, you know, making these vows to do something to better yourselves. Although many of the early Christians would have perhaps been more focused on, I'm going to do things that make me a better Christian, whether that was, you know, being better about keeping the Ten Commandments or anything like that that could be considered a tenant of their particular offshoot of Christianity would have been something that also could have been a resolution for them. You know, uh, I would hope that for many people, an easy resolution to keep would be, I will not murder anyone, which is one of the Ten Commandments for anyone who's never looked into Christianity at all. One of the many is thou shalt not kill. It's a very good one to keep. I myself am not Christian, but I do 100% agree with that one. And... <laughs> Uh, so, you know, someone making that as one of their resolutions would hopefully be fairly easy to keep. One thing that I did think was interesting during my research is that during some of the earliest uh, known incidences of Christianity involving resolutions in their, um, in their services, they started referring to things as watch night services. 
So it's like you're watching the night of one calendar pass into the morning of the next sort of idea. And it's obviously not something that every single Christian religion necessarily celebrates, but there are quite a few that do. And I thought it was interesting that they call it the watch night services instead of like a New Year's Eve service. Although to be fair, technically that's not its official name, at least not when it was created, which was back in 1740. There was an English clergyman, John Wesley, and he was actually the founder of Methodist of the Methodist Church. But he created a service that he called the Covenant Renewal Service. And it was usually held on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And that's they also started calling it the Watch Night. There was scripture readings and hymn singing. And basically it was their religious and spiritual alternative to some of the raucous end-of-the-year celebrations that would be held instead. And one of the things that I think is interesting about that is the name he chose, Covenant Renewal Service. For anyone who, again, is not familiar with some of the terminology, um, there's often spoken of in certain scriptures a covenant between a Christian, well, a member of the Christian religion, so a Christian. So between a Christian and God, they're spoken of there being a covenant between the two of them quite often in certain uh, of the Christian religions. And basically it's like the vow the bond, the you're following the covenant of God, his rules that he's put in place for you idea. So it is in many ways very similar to what the Babylonians and the Romans did where those Christians had a vow between them and their God that they were celebrating and promising again at the new year. They obviously have a slightly different spin on it because the Romans and the Babylonians were both pagan religions and Christians are not. But nonetheless, the tradition continued on and even into the Middle Ages as well, which actually would have been before 1740. But the Middle Ages also had a something referred to as a peacock vow where knights would sort of re-up their vow of chivalry at the beginning slash end of the year which I think is interesting. And of course, anyone who's seen enough imagery of medieval knights is probably not overly surprised that at some point it became referred to as the peacock vow, given that they often were depicted with very colorful um, chivalric symbols, you know, their family crests and whatnot. And vowing to uphold their chivalry, again, is a vow, whether to their lord or lady or king, whoever their sovereign was in addition to whatever religion they were following they would have been vowing to follow those codes again so it's been a tradition for literally thousands and thousands and thousands of years however nowadays of course it has lost a lot of its religious meaning and become more of a almost self-help moment a moment where we can check in with ourselves at the end of the year which is also a very good thing and I think very useful especially nowadays and with that, we're about roughly halfway through the episode. So I'm going to go ahead and start our mid-roll. And I'll see you in a few. Hi, everyone. This is the mid-roll. You just get me today again, even though Russ and I will be back recording again together very soon. But I want to talk to you about our amazing sponsors right now. First, I want to talk about World Anvil. 
I talk about them every week. I can't talk about them enough. I just love their website. It's the most robust campaign management and world building software online that you can find. It really is. And we know because Logan, one of the um, other directors and a DM of several shows at Nerdsmith, has checked out tons of them. This is the one that has the most features, the most things that let you really build and develop and create the world that you're imagining in your head. And whether it's for your players or if you're like us and you have podcasts and streams and want your audience to be able to have access to that information, doesn't matter. Either way, it's a great tool that lets you really flesh out your world and create this amazing interactive space that has things that you can look up and research. You can write articles, you can have social media for your characters, and you can also just use it as a wiki, basically, that lets you look up everything about the world you've created. No matter how you use it, it's a great tool and I definitely recommend you check it out. That's worldanvil.com. And I also wanna talk about our other amazing sponsor, Die Hard Dice. They have these gorgeous dice. They have so many different colorways that you can pick from. Their polymer dice are high quality. I've never had any issues with them and they're very attractive. And on top of that, their metal dice are just amazing. They're beautiful. They're nice and heavy when you roll them. They feel, you can just feel the quality and the beauty of them when you're looking at them. On top of that, they have uh, the most amazing thing for me, and for anyone else who plays with a lot of D&D dice and the polyhedral sets, you're gonna love this. Their metal dice, they have certain uh, patterns for them that don't have sharp corners on all the dice. So the D4s are no longer evil, evil caltrops that you could step on and kill yourself with. The edges are blunted, so it still hurts. It's still gonna hurt, but it's not nearly as bad. And because they've got the corners rounded and blunted, they're also not as damaging to your tables and things like that if you roll them, which I think is a great feature because I love the feel and the sound and the quality of metal dice, but having a huge dent in my table after I roll my D20 is not ideal. So they've also got amazing things called their scrolls of rolling, which are basically these wonderful fabric scrolls that are built with a pocket to hold one or two sets of dice and you can roll them up and they're a rolling mat when you open them up completely. So if you don't wanna to have to carry around a lot of dice trays and you just need like one or two sets of dice, it's the perfect travel companion for your on the go game. If you go to dieharddice.com, you can see the scroll of rolling and their amazing metal dice that I've been talking about for like three minutes. And if you use the coupon code geekthyself, you can get 15, 1-5% off your first or next purchase, whichever it happens to be. It's a one-time use code, so you can't keep using it, but you can check out a lot of the other shows here at the Nerdsmith Network, because many of them do, in fact, have a discount code for Die Hard Dice. You just have to make sure you listen to the episodes or watch them, depending on the show in question, to find that code. And the other thing I want to talk about for anyone who hasn't noticed already, if they haven't gone to our website recently, we have started using Patreon through Nerdsmith. So you can now go to patreon.com nerdsmith to see all the different tiers that we have available. There's a lot of different levels starting from $5, just like on our old system that was on the website. But we really just felt that Patreon was a better way to go for our audience. It's a little more user-friendly than what we were able to set up on the website itself. 
So we've definitely started using that. There's a lot of bonus content already loaded for all of your favorite Nerdsmith shows. And we are going to be loading more every month. So you, if you sign up as a patron, you'll get access to new content every month. Russ and I are going to start doing what we're referring to as five-minute fact episodes, specifically for the Patreon. So every month, you'll get to hear one of us do a five-minute either recap of one of our previous episodes or a five-minute topic that just doesn't quite have enough information to fill up a full half-hour episode, even with the two of us talking and going off on tangents. And with that, I'm going to lead us back into this week's topic, and uh, hopefully you're enjoying learning about the history of New Year's resolutions. Welcome back to this week's topic, everyone. So to finish off our last few minutes, I guess it's about 10 minutes left of the episode, I'm going to be talking more about resolutions in the modern day. So I did it a little bit in the beginning where I talked about, you know, a lot of us make resolutions to do something to improve ourselves in some way. But by modern day, I just mean, you know, like the 1900s and before. So in the earlier 1900s, you know, around the time of like the Great Depression, so the 1930s era, there were uh, some numbers taken and it was estimated that about a quarter of American adults at the time did New Year's resolutions. So that means roughly a quarter of the adult population of America made some kind of New Year's resolution. And as we fast forward through time and get closer to the 21st century, so... um you know, the 2000s, we're looking at roughly 40% of America, adult Americans, made the resolution. So those numbers have continued to increase. And depending on the research you're looking at, for instance, one of the numbers I found, um, now this is off of Wikipedia, so, you know, take things with a grain of salt, but according to Wikipedia, the American Metal Association um, said that approximately 40 to 50% of Americans participated in the New Year's resolution tradition according to the 1995 Epcot and 1985 Gallup polls. Also something I thought was interesting that I found, and again, this is according to Wikipedia, was that a study found 46% of participants who made common New Year's resolutions. So some of the ones I was talking about earlier, things like weight loss, stop smoking, exercise more, da-da-da-da-da-da, that kind of thing were likely to succeed 10 times more often than people who tried to make those same changes at other times of the year, which I think is really interesting. And I think it goes back a lot to, I don't want to necessarily say the human psyche. I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to claim that I am in any way, shape, or form. But I do think it's interesting that we have an easier time at least to a certain extent, maintaining our resolutions at the beginning of the year. It's, you know, it's often been something that I've heard. I mean, we see it referenced in media and books and, you know, people talk about, oh, it's a new year, new me. There's this common, common thought that the new year is a new chance. It's a new, it's a new day. It's a new life. It's a new year. It's a new chance for you to start over and have something good happen. You know, you can reflect on the past, but you look forward, which reminds me a lot of, you know, 
like we were talking earlier about Julius Caesar and Janus, one face looking forward, one face looking back. Basically, it's embracing the face looking forward. You're looking forward to that next year. You know your past is there, but this is a new year. It's a new thing. So you're trying something and you're going to stick to it. At least that's the hope. I made the joke at the beginning of the episode, you know, how many people have already broken their resolutions, who's still maintaining them, because there is a lot of, mm, there's a lot of people who don't keep them up. And like I said, it's hard to change a habit you've been in for however long. It's hard to create a new habit. There are a lot of studies that do show that it takes roughly 21 days for you to really start feeling like something is a habit. And it's 21 days of doing it consistently because even one day of stopping could completely break it and then you have to restart to make it a habit again. And I will say in my own experience, I do feel like this is very true. It's very, very hard to turn something new into a habit, but it's very easy to break that habit because all it takes is one day or two days of saying, well, I'm too tired, I'll do it tomorrow. Or anything like that and suddenly your resolution is broken but I did think it would be interesting to close off this episode talking about some popular New Year's resolutions now this is a list I found online so please keep that in mind it's not like this is a huge huge you know entire world study that somebody did to get all of these but I just thought some of them were interesting now, some of them are, you know, the, of course, eat healthy, weight loss, physical well-being ones. I think those are very common nowadays just because of, to be perfectly honest, how unhealthy a lot of our eating habits are here in America. Um, there's exceptions, obviously. There's a lot of fit people as well. But I do think that, you know, with fast food and prepackaged food, which has a lot more salt and things like that in it, it's a lot easier for us to not catch it as much or not put as much effort into what kind of food we're eating and putting into our bodies. And so that can result in less healthy bodies. So there's those ones, of course. In addition to those, there's things like promising to donate to charities more. That's actually a very good one. Uh, I myself donate to a World Wildlife Fund every year. I'm an animal lover, which anyone who's been listening to the episodes already knows. But I support them and I donate where I can to other charities. And of course, here at Nerdsmith, we've supported charities like Heifer International and the Trevor Project because we strongly believe in the Heifer, um, excuse me, Heifer International's message of, you know, getting farm animals to those third world countries, teaching people how to raise them and turn it into a, you know, money profiting business for them to survive and have an income for their family. And then we also, of course, have a large LGBTQ community as part of our Nerdsmith creator group, but also just our audiences and community in general. We are very, very, very much in favor of anything that helps and supports the LGBTQ plus community. And so something like the Trevor Project, which really focuses on LGBTQ plus youth who are in crisis or need, is a fantastic organization to support. Let's see. Um... Some of them include things like try to become more assertive because there are some people who I think especially in our people-pleasing, like I want everyone to like me, social media-heavy environments can sometimes feel like they need to be nice to everyone and not say no and things like that. So sometimes being more assertive is something people feel they need to work on. 
uh, strive to be more environmentally responsible. This is one that I think is important also. You know, we have to worry about greenhouse gases and things that are damaging the world we live in for future generations. That's concerning. Let's see. Improve mental well-being. So things like think positive, laugh more often, enjoy life. Those are good. Those are very good. Improve finances. That's one that I also think is good, of course. You know, get out of debt, save money, make small investments. It is important to look to the future. So making sure that you're financially stable is always good. Improving your career, whether it means doing your job more. So just, you know, better performance at your job or getting a better job. Improve your education. So, you know, a student might say, I want to get better grades next year. I'm going to study more. Improving yourself um, with things like reducing your stress or trying to manage your time better. That goes back to the calendar thing I said earlier. Uh, going on a trip. So maybe someone hasn't gone on vacation in a really long time and they work too much and they make a resolution that they're actually going to go on a vacation somewhere this year. Um, that's when I could definitely see some people making and I think that's good because you need to take a break sometimes. Volunteer to help others. That kind of goes back to the charity one. You know, doing something to improve the world around us is always a good thing. Uh, let's see, get along better with people. There are some people who struggle with social interactions or didn't, you know, weren't raised in environments that were as beneficial to developing social skills and things like that. So sometimes trying to improve those abilities or learn more how to interact with people on a social level can be something that, you know, a resolution might help with. Uh, let's see, make new friends. That kind of goes along with that one. Spend quality time with family members. This is a good one that I also think is important provided you have well I should say spend it should really say spend quality time with family members um, or your chosen family because I do know there are people out there who unfortunately don't have supportive families for various reasons and no matter what the reason if that's the case then spending quality time with your chosen family your friends and the family you've created wherever you are is also, I think, a good thing to resolve to do in the new year because family is important, whether it's the one you were born into or the one you've created for yourself, whichever it happens to be, it's important. I happen to have been lucky and I have a fantastic family, but as does my husband, I like his family a lot too. <laughs> but I also have an amazing chosen family in my Nerdsmith friends, you know, the other directors and I are, in fact, very, very, very good friends. Russ, of course, is my very good friend. So I have an amazing blood family and an amazing chosen family. And I'm very happy to have them, especially as we move forward into another year. Um, and, you know, actually, I was going to keep reading, but I kind of think that's a nice place to end it. So I hope you enjoyed learning more about sort of how long resolutions have been around, some of the history of them. It's definitely something that's been around, obviously, for thousands and thousands of years, as I've already mentioned. And moving into the rest of our 2020 year, I hope everyone has a fantastic year moving forward. I hope things continue to improve for you, whoever you are. And also, you know, I was talking about chosen families and all of that. If you happen to be someone who doesn't have as supportive a birth family, then please don't hesitate to come join our Nerdsmith family. 
if you're listening to this, my guess is that you already are part of the Nerdsmith family, but if you're not, if you're just listening for the first time, um, we love and support everyone. We're very accepting. Um, you're likely to find at least one person who shares whatever your nerddom happens to be. So please come say hi. You can find us at our Nerdsmith Discord. There's links on our website, nerdsmith.org. Um, and you can come talk to me and Russ if you want. We're on there quite often, especially me, <laughs> chatting with everyone in the different topics and everything on the Discord channels. And with that, I'm going to call it good on this episode. So we'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself.